Thanks, Graham. Thanks for that wonderful music you play every Sunday. And it comes out his head. He doesn't seem to look at music at all. <laughs> That's good. Well, it's a special week in Kirkintilla. It's the Canal Festival this week. And we have a senior citizen's lunch uh, once a month on a Tuesday. But a special one for the Canal Festival this Tuesday. And they've asked me to speak about the canal. So I'm really, uh, I lived along the canal bank near Lamb Hill. If you crossed the canal bridge and turned immediately left and went along about maybe half a mile, there was a dip and there was a piggery, and we didn't actually live in a pigsty, but there was a cottage beside the piggery, and we lived there for ten years, and I used to go along the canal bank my mother sent me on a Saturday night to collect my father at the pub the boys weren't allowed in the pub in those days, he had to wait till he'd finished drinking, and then accompany him home, in case he fell in the canal and the road home, he was that drunk, but uh, I couldn't have done anything, he fell in the canal just a wee boy and he was about 15 stone and uh, nothing I could do but uh, so the canal was a dangerous place and it was a dark place because there were no lights along there and I, I was sort of scared of the dark but eventually um, the boys had nothing to do one Saturday night and they said we'll go to the cookie fight in the mission hall so they took me along and I heard about Jesus in the gospel for the first time and um, we went in to keep out of the cold but I came out with the light of the world in my life after many weeks God spoke to my heart and I was walking along the canal bank and dared to pray that God would come into my life and that Jesus would become my saviour and so when I was 12 year old um, I wasn't scared of the dark anymore <laughs> so the canal festival was something coming up this week and we get between 50 and 60 at that senior lunch, if you want to pray about that. Um, those who weren't here for last week's exciting episode, I'll just recap seven reasons for reading the book of Ezekiel. Number one, be a Bible Christian rather than just a New Testament Christian. Number two, avoid embarrassment in heaven where you to bump into Ezekiel and he said, have you read my book? <laughs> Thirdly, keep two wonderful truths in tension. The sovereignty of God and man's human responsibility before God. That's God speaking to Ezekiel, son of man. Um, fourthly, encourage yourself to seek spiritual solutions to human problems, which was Ezekiel's task in a very difficult situation. He was, he was exiled from his homeland in 597 BC. And... Uh, he was in a prisoner of war camp on the outskirts of Babylon, Professor F.F. Uh, F. Bruce says, and uh, the Jews were either digging ditches or improving the agriculture of Babylon. Uh, irrigation canals between the river Tigris and the river Euphrates. Um, and he was there. The elders came to his house. He was a responsible man. And uh, he sought solutions to human spiritual solutions to human problems then if you want to satisfy your appetite for the unusual read the book of Ezekiel you'll never read anything else like it visions and images and acted symbols amazing sixthly marvel at a great communicator and seven rejoice in a covenant with resurrection hope wrapped up in it um, tonight I'd like to read in chapter 37 
chapter 37 of Ezekiel. The Valley of Dry Bones is a headline in the New International Version. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying there was a noise, a rattling sound. And the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared in them and the skin covered them. But there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you back from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. We noted last week he was a distressed prophet. He wasn't allowed to do what he was born to do, so it seemed when he was 30 years old he should have started his office as priest, but he was called to be a prophet. He couldn't be a priest because he wasn't back home near the sanctuary. There was a defeated nation. It seemed that God himself was discredited by the defeat before Babylon. A disgraced community lost the holy land and lost the holy city. And the land they were in was so defiled. And in Psalm 137 eh, they talk about it. How can I sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Um, They're so humiliated. Laborers, ditch diggers, farm laborers, prisoners of war. My brother was a prisoner of war during the Second World War, and it wasn't funny. He said it was a, a very difficult time in his life. It was very. The boys were very hungry. They used to march through a village. He saw two Scottish soldiers fighting over a raw onion found in the gutter. That's the state that when it was bad state, prisoner of war, and it looked as if. God had rejected them. And here he was. Nebuchadnezzar's battering rams had smashed their false theology against repair. And Babylon's huge idols towered over them. 
Here he was a priest without a sanctuary, a visionary without a vision, promise without fulfilment. When the outlook is grim, try the uplook. When all you can see is a cloud, look for the silver lining. And so we saw these visions that uh, Ezekiel had. We looked at the vision in chapter 1 uh, last week. saw the four faces um, that he saw in his vision as a, an anticipation of the Lord Jesus, the lion in supremacy and sovereignty in Matthew's gospel anticipated the Lord Jesus, the man, intelligence and understanding uh, as Jesus is the son of man in Mark's gospel, the ox, service and sacrifice seen in Luke's gospel, the eagle, power and vision encapsulated in John's gospel. And we saw that God was going to look about the future. And this is a prophecy that looks into the future. Um, they would get a new shepherd, chapter 34. We looked at this last week, so I'm just sort of whizzing through it, okay? Um, a new shepherd in chapter 34, a new judgment in chapter 35, a new covenant in chapter 36, and a new vitality in chapter 37. The new covenant was that God would come and live among them, that God would take away their stony hearts and give them a heart of flesh, that God would work outward cleansing, they would be washed, they would be cleansed outwardly and inwardly, a change of heart. We saw how nowadays the world's full of folk looking for change, but this is a wonderful change, God's work, purification versus renovation. It's absolutely more fundamental than just renovation. Nowadays it's self-esteem. You know, we've already built up your self-esteem in the Bible. The Bible says you're all sinners. You're rotten, but redeemable. Um, the Bible shows us ourselves. We used to sing a chorus, Show me myself and show me my Saviour and make the book live to me. And the, the saints of God prostrated themselves before God. This guy, Ezekiel, this at the end of chapter 1, there's a terrific, a comprehensive description where he, he describes the revelation and the vision he's had. He says, This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. He was three places removed from reality. And he, de he despised himself in dust and ashes. And what a poor soul. And yet that's what God needs for a new work. Chapter 37. We'll look at it for a wee while. A new vitality. He sees this valley in the desert probably full of the bleached bones of the battlers, the aftermath of a, of a major battle. And it's, it's a vital community that has experienced death, real death, not just slain corpses, but skeletal remains, stripped of vital organs and identity. One bone looks pretty much like another bone, doesn't it? Um, and they're 
they're, dis- they're absolutely identified here as Jewish bones. There must have been some Jewish fight in his vision or in his actual seeing. And there's, as we look at it, there are layers and lamination possible when we look at this vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, it could reply, uh, apply to have a, a primary uh, identification with the Jewish people, but it also has a, a human individual possible uh, identification with us. It's the total death experience, and we're looking at new life and dead bones. We're looking at resurrection in Death Valley. And when we look at our nation today, we see death. Well, these bones were definitely stiffened. They were gone. They were bleached. They were unidentifiable. And that total death experience. And that's true of us spiritually. Listen to what Paul says in um, Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. What a description! It can't possibly be me. You know, a woman said, it can't possibly be me. Gordon Thompson quoted this, and I'll quote it back to you. (laughs) She said, I'm a Christian. I sleep with a Bible under my pillow. (laughs) But she wasn't really a Christian. But she thought she was. But she was dead. She was Ephesians 2.1. The human condition described dead bleached, stripped of identity, stripped of vitality that's us and then the Lord's intention is declared can these bones live son of man? there's a challenge for Ezekiel can these bones live? well that's the Lord's intention declared, prophesy he says, Proph-. well, it was meant to be a prophet, wasn't it? <laughs> Prophesy, speak to these bones, son of man. And the vision highlights three things we need. First of all, is the work of grace we need to see. The word carried the full power of the speaker and the inspirer. You know, one of the, the most frequently used title in the Old Testament is Navi to describe a prophet a Navi was either someone who was called or someone who called a caller um, somebody who declared and this was a man who stood before men as someone who stood before God and declared God's word and what we need is folk today to carry the full power of the speaker and of the inspirer behind the speaker and sometimes it's the most unexpected people absolutely amazing the work of grace we need to see is God's changing lives by the breath of his spirit you know Jesus said we have to be born again born of the spirit and this word carried the full power of the speaker 
and of the inspiring God behind the speaker. And uh, that, that's wonderful. The work of grace we need to see. We pray that God will work in Bereesburg. You know, if one person came to the Lord in Marysburg, that could be the means of ten people coming to the Lord. That's the work of grace we need to see. And the second thing is the word of life we need to preach. You know, you get full of preach. They don't really preach quite often. They just blather. You know, it's a word of life we need. It's a word that tells us how Jesus can change you. How the Lord Jesus Christ died for you and shed his blood and gave his life and longs to be your saviour and says, Come to me all you who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's still calling to us. Somebody pointed out his hands are no longer outstretched in the cross, but his hands are still outstretched in love, calling men, women and boys and girls to come to him. The work of grace we need to see. And then there's the word of life we need to preach. It produced an adjustment. Well, the bones all came together, bone upon bone, you know, and the right bones fitted in with the right bones. It was an absolutely perfect assembly of bones into human beings. And the great thing is, when God does a work in in our lives, he produces an adjustment. The hymn writer says, heaven above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs o'erflow. Flowers with deeper beauty shine. Since I know, as now I know, I am his and he is mine. The transforming power of the gospel in a human life has to be seen to be believed. It's wonderful. And that's the word of life. It produced an adjustment. And it conveyed an enablement. They were just standing up like stickies, as we say in Glasgow. You know what a stickie is, you know? Um, uh, they stood up like stickies. And God said, prophesy, son of man, to the, to the breath. Well, the, the Hebrew word is ruach. The ruach Adonai is the spirit of the Lord. Um, and it can mean air in our nostrils and it can mean wind so it's not just breath, it's wind and it also can convey the idea of spirit the spirit of God, the Ruach Adonai um, uh, the spirit of God um, enables us to live the Christian life the Christian life is impossible without the Holy Spirit in our lives and when God brings this work of grace to us and this word of life to us, it conveys an enablement by the Spirit to fulfill God's will and please Him. Isn't that marvellous? We can please God in our lives. And then the third thing, the third one is the war of faith we need to fight. It says here in the text, They came to life and stood upon their feet, 
a vast army. That's a description of the people of God. It's not a debating society. You know where folks think you just all you do is swap arguments. A friend of mine said the gospel said the gospel's not something to be argued about. The gospel's something to be accepted. And it has its power in our lives when we accept it. It's not a debating society. Second thing, it's not a cliquey club. It's not an entertainment show. We were at the Keswick Convention, and there's a new thing has come in in the Keswick Convention, and you may approve of it. I don't approve of it. And that is, all right, fair enough, if it's a singer you want to clap, good. If it's a preacher, I don't like folk clapping at the end of a sermon. It, it grates in my sensitivities. I think we should sort of crawl away and, and, and reflect on what we've heard in a message. And so I was, I was sort of, it gave me the creeps every time they, they gave applause to the preacher. I don't mind giving applause to singers and musicians and stuff like that. No, absolutely not. But not the preacher, please. It's not a fashion parade. I asked the Smithy Croft third years once <coughs> to write me a, a, a definition of the church. And a 15-year-old girl wrote, The church is a fashion parade for the elderly. And they have funny opening hours. You know, she knew about pub hours, but she thought church hours were way out. <laughs> uh, they have funny opening hours. It's not a fashion parade. How did Ezekiel see it? What was the vision God gave to Ezekiel? It was a mighty army. A mighty army. And that repudiates what was said in verse 11. If I can find it. These bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. And God said, you're not cut off. I've poured life into you. The bones are joined together. You're standing there like an army. With a common identity, a common belief, a common objective. A Christian army. That's what you are. A mighty army. There's a, a, a hymn I'm trying to think about. The son of man goes forth to war, his kingly crown to gain. His silver banner gleams afar. We follow in his train. and we've, we've, we've said we follow in a train nowadays. But we follow in his train. We're an army. And we're, we're armed and we're alive and we're ready to fight. Uh, there's a famous preacher called Dr. Alexander White of Edinburgh. Free Georges, he was born as the irregular child of a couple in Angus in a, a peasant's cottage in Angus. And uh, he became a prince among preachers. He wrote wonderful books called Bible Characters. Have you ever read them? The sermons on Bible characters. I'll give you a wee sample. Here was his opening sentence on the, on the, the character of Elijah the prophet. He said, Elijah was a Mount Sinai of a man 
was a heart like a thunderstorm. That's a kind of beat that sentence. The opening sentence of his sermon. And he said, here's something else he said. He wore tackety boots in the study, by the way, just to remind him he was there to work. <laughs> He's a great guy. And he said, the Christian life is a sere fact. <laughs> From the time we trust in Christ till the time we get to the pearly gates, it's a sere fact. It's a it's a difficult battle, um, and so God doesn't leave us without weapons. He's a tremendous passion. I'm finished with this. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse ten. Well, finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, I heard a famous preacher Sunday after Sunday in London. His name was Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, and he was preaching through the armor of the Spirit. And he was on the wiles of the devil. See, it says in this, the devil schemes. In the King James Version, it says the wiles of the devil. And he was preaching sermons on the wiles of the devil. And we went on holiday from college at the end of June. And we came back in the middle of September. He was still preaching on the wiles of the devil. <laughs> He'd been preaching on it all summer. <laughs> the wiles of the devil. And the wiles of the devil will bring us down. But the armour of God will help us to stand fast. I mean, as well as all this weaponry about belts and swords and all that stuff, we get a secret weapon. Verse 18, see him. The Christian has a secret weapon. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That reminds me again of school, school assemblies. That's where I learned to pray with one eye open. You're supposed to watch the children and pray. (laughs) And I told a lie in school assembly once to a boy. He was misbehaving, and I was about two seats away from him, and they gave him a wee gentle kick in the backside. And he says, sir, you kicked me in a, during a prayer. What did you do that for? I said, well, God told me to. He said, John McDonald's misbehaving. Give him a wee kick in the backside. Is that all right? Yes, sir, he said. <laughs> 
and he went away believing I had a direct hotline to God <laughs> to kick him in the backside during the prayer. But that's our secret weapon. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints and pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth words may be given me well words were given to Ezekiel and words are given to us and we're in the army and the armor's there to be used and we also have a secret weapon the weapon of prayer let's pray together oh God our gracious father we thank you for your word Thank you for all of your faithful servants who down the years in so many varied situations have been faithful to you, have worn the armour of the Spirit and have stood for the Gospel and for the Saviour and for your Word. And we praise you, O God, for all of your fatherly goodness and pray for your parting blessing and for your enabling this week. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you.